sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch. I did it for the love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training. Introducing first your longtime fan, short-time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton. What would Shawn Michaels do? Green. And his tag team partner making his debut in the wacky world of fighting fools, Zach, Mr. Podcast Mania Barlow. Oh, man, the showstopper, the icon. Absolutely. If, uh, well, if you're, if you're Mr. Podcast Mania, then I'm, uh, then I'm undefeated at podcast. You are yeah. undefeated at podcast. This is true. Mostly because you edit it so you can make it say whatever you want. Yeah, that's true. I've never been beaten at podcast. You're going to make it look like I think that I hate Coolsville. <laughs> Such a specific joke. Oh, man. Oh, God, I love a good Scooby-2 Monsters Unleashed reference. (laughs) Um, This is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the greatest matches, shows, and rivalries in wrestling history. Whatever I uh, deem is going to be on the menu for today. And if you're like me, and you probably know more about Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, than you do wrestling, don't worry, it's fine, I'm right here with you. So Peyton, what are we going to be talking about today? Before I say what we're going to be talking about today, let me just say, we definitely, definitely have to watch the Scooby-Doo WWE crossover animated film. Oh my god, I didn't know that existed until just now. That is amazing. 100% exists. It's like something like Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery or something. Uh, But it's like got the actual wrestlers voicing themselves in the game. Uh, Okay, yeah, no, we gotta. gotta This episode is canceled. (laughs) Uh, So I'm glad you gave me an idea for a future episode. But uh, today what we're going to be talking about... Uh, last time we talked about Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels' amazing feud in 2008. And then in 2009, we get another really amazing feud involving Shawn Michaels when he wrestles The Undertaker. And these two have pre- a pretty long history together. Um, in fact, we've already covered one of their big matches, uh, the very first Hell in the Cell match at Bad Blood 1997. We covered that in our very first episode, so if you want to listen to that, go back in the archives. That's why I didn't include it on this list, because we kind of already talked about it. Uh, and I mostly wanted to focus on the newer rivalry, uh, right. although I did include one uh, one match to kind of set the stage for us. You know what's really interesting? I was doing some research about this. Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker have only wrestled each other one-on-one five times. Well, uh, and at least two or three of those, can you really count it as one-on-one? Because Kane is always there. That's true. Uh, and they ta- do talk about in this rivalry how Shawn Michaels or how Undertaker's never beaten Shawn Michaels, which is true, but both times it was because Kane interfered. Right, right. Uh, and then another time was a, was a no contest. Uh, it was a draw, uh, their first match. And then their second match was at Bad Blood 97, which is where Kane debuted, ripped the door off the hell in the cell, and, uh, and tombstoned Undertaker. And which is another reason I kind of didn't include that match, because it really doesn't... It's more about the rivalry between Undertaker and Kane than it is Undertaker and Shawn. 
Um, although that is a very good match. Uh, some people call it one of the best matches that's ever happened. It revolutionized the Hell in a Cell match. Um, and then let's kind of go back through the history a little bit. These two kind of had a strained history. And we've talked about Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, has kind of his career um, in the late 90s. He was kind of a dick, really. Uh, he was addicted to drugs, and he had the whole Survivor Series 97 thing, the Montreal Screwjob with Bret Hart, which we also covered. You can check that one out. You know, okay, with the Montreal Screwjob, though, I feel like that is really unfair to pin on Shawn Michaels. Like, he is just acting at the, the you know, behest of Vince McMahon. Yes... But, you know, he, 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 you know, Brett, you know, asked him, did you have anything to do with this? Sean said, no. I feel like, you know, you know, do you really want to, like, if you screw over your, I guess they weren't really friends. Also, the other thing with Sean is he spread a rumor that Brett Hart was cheating on his wife with one of the female wrestlers. The truth was, Shawn Michaels was having an affair with that wrestler. Yikes. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's, he has good reason to hate him. Good point. Uh, but, uh, but a lot of the, uh, the tension between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker actually extends, uh, outside of the ring. A big part of that is the Montreal screw job. Undertaker was there, uh, during the Montreal screw job, apparently got, really upset um, with Shawn Michaels for, for treating Brett this way. He got really mad at Vince McMahon. He like got in Vince McMahon's face. Um, so Undertaker always like looked at Shawn like really suspiciously because Undertaker was really good friends with Shawn, or really good friends with Brett, I should say. Um, and I mean, that makes sense because, you know, Taker, as we've talked about before, kind of has this spot in the WWE where he's extremely well respected by the other wrestlers and is sort of at times an advocate and a judge for them in Undertaker court. So I could see where where the unfairness of the Montreal screw job would really piss him off. And when the Montreal screw job happened, the three top guys were Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Bret Hart. Um, so for one top guy to screw another top guy, uh, right. Bret or Undertaker kind of felt like he had to be the person to, you know, try to calm things down. Um so, and Sean has gone back and admitted he was in a very bad place in his life uh, and has turned things around, which is a, a really great story about Shawn Michaels. It's really nice to see, you know, that he was able to turn that around and kind of bury the hatchet with Bret Hart. Yeah, I just hate that so much, so much, like, overt Christianity is involved in that. <laughs> that is that is true, yeah. I mean, the... it's fine. It's fine. It's just like, you know, when someone shares a post on Facebook about, re like, repost if god has been good to you little praise emoji and it's i don't know there's nothing wrong with it sean michaels little... is like the human version of that yeah he is he really is um so uh we'll go ahead and get into our first match so uh, let's let's kind of walk through it we have bad blood 1997 that's the infamous hell in the cell match with undertaker and Shawn michaels uh, that's where Shawn Michaels wins a shot at Bret Hart's WWF Championship. He wrestles him the next month at Survivor Series. That's when the Montreal Screwjob happens. If you don't know what the Montreal Screwjob is, 
Uh, Zach, why don't you give him a quick a quick rookie's run through of what of what that is? Um, okay, man. Every time I do this, it goes bad. So let me see if I can. Nail I know it that's point. why I did it. I know I kn- uh, you sneaky sneaky man. Okay, Vince Bret Hart was about to leave the company and go potentially WCW, and Vince McMahon didn't want him taking the title over there because he was the title holder at the time. And, you know, like, peeing on it or throwing it in a dumpster and lighting it on fire or something like that. So he was like, yeah, Brett, you can win your last match here. That's fine. That We'll do that. But then, secretly, he was like, hey, Shawn Michaels, you going to cover him? And then the ref's going to count the one, two, three real, real quick, like. Well, well, no, no. He put him in the sharpshooter, Brett's own hold, and Brett didn't tap, and they just rang the bell. Okay, yes, sorry. Yeah, so he puts him in the submission, they ring the bell, Brett didn't tap, Brett's like, what's going on? Brett spits in Vince McMahon's face, and it's a, we got a whole episode on it. Yep, yep. So he, uh, so that that's actually pretty good. You did pretty good. You just, you just missed that one fact, but, you know, that was, that was, that was nice. I'm so learning, now Sha- I'm evolving. Now, Shawn Michaels is the WWF champion, so we're going to go into the Royal Rumble 1998, uh, with Shawn Michaels as the champion facing Undertaker as the challenger. So let's pull up the old the old notes here. Okay. I don't know. You know, this is a casket match, which I love. Um, and I just wanted to talk briefly before we, we get really in the weeds on it. You know, like, how many novelty matches does Undertaker get? He's got the casket match, he's got the Buried Alive match, and I would argue the fire one. The man has at least premiered four match types in the WWE. Hell in a yep. Cell. Hell in a Cell as well. Uh, there's also the hearse match. The, oh, okay. There we go. Which We're is basically five. just a casket match. It's just you put them in a hearse. It's just like a different container. <laughs> basically, Undertaker has a lot of matches where you have to put someone in something. And usually you have to put Undertaker in there. Yeah, that is the thing, is that with all these match types, Undertaker almost always loses because it's he's the only one who could conceivably, like, s- like survive getting buried alive or getting set on fire or getting... Although he actually has never lost the Inferno match, but that's that's more Kane's... Yeah, that's Kane's, Kane's turn to lose. Um... He also debuted the Punjabi prison match. I was thinking about, okay, I, I did not know he debuted the Punjabi prison. That is interesting. To it's me. the great Kali's specialty, but he was in the very first one. Well, and the reason I talk about that is because I was contrasting in, in my mind sort of the, the difference between, like, why is a casket match, like, right here, good and fun, and a Punjabi prison, like, kind of weird and not great? And I think it's just because, like, keep it simple. Keep the objective kind of, like, especially that Punjabi prison that we watched uh, on, I think, the Boogeyman episode? Mm, no. No. Oh, it was our bad wrestling episode. Bad wrestling episode. You see where I could get those two confused? Yes. Um, With, like, there are three gates, and they open for 30 seconds at a time, and then if you run out of gates, you have to jump over the... Like, no, no, get rid of all of that. Put man in box, end match. Yeah, and also, you can still basically have a regular match, whereas in a Punjabi prison match, it's, like, all... It's it's all gimmick, you know? Yeah. Like, I think think you should still allow the wrestlers to have basically a normal match, but if the gimmick gets in the way of the match, then that's when it's bad. It is, okay, 
let me let me draw this analogy for those of you out there who, like me, are very familiar with the Mario Party franchise. Mario Party minigames are are some percentage of skill and bullshit, and the best ones are fifty percent of each, but the worst ones are one hundred percent bullshit. Meaning that it's really kind of random who wins. Like Day at the Races, where you just pick a character, and if they happen to win the race, you win. That's how I think about gimmick matches. Yeah. Um, the the casket match, so it's pretty simple. Put someone in a casket. Um, I can't really think of too many casket matches that are great, though. Um, yeah, I can see why. I do think this one is fun. Mostly because, for whatever reason, Undertaker, they always use the casket match to kind of distract whenever Undertaker's got, like, a bad opponent. Like, if he's, like, wrestling, like, Yokozuna or, like, Mark Henry, they kind of, like, use it to, like, oh, we'll distract from the fact that his his opponent can't wrestle. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, But this one is is pretty good. Um, It's also a very big match in Shawn Michaels' career, and I don't think you noticed this, and they do mention it a few times. This is the match that ended Shawn Michaels' career for five years. Okay, yeah, I know they. I have. I mentioned him talk about it. Like last time we faced each other, you were out for five years. Uh, He mentions that in like later on in two thousand eight, and I wasn't sure specifically what he was talking about, but I didn't realize it was this match. Yeah, because it doesn't actually. The point that it happens doesn't look that bad, but because I knew when it happened, I I knew what happened, and I could tell the pace of the match changes. The match gets really a lot slower. And you can, if you're paying attention, you could see Sean start holding his back. But it happens very early in the match. Um, uh, just quickly, we'll, we'll mention kind of what's going on here. Is uh, Shawn Michaels is leading Degeneration X here, which is Triple H in China at this point. Um, they come out to the ring to support him. Triple H is on crutches. They're wondering whether or not Kane is going to help Undertaker because he did help him uh, fight off DX in the lead-up to this match. Uh, I do like, uh, they take some shots at WCW here. At one point, JR talks about how Shawn Michaels is the Grand Slam champion. He says, that's something no one's ever done. Not Hogan, not Savage, who were both wrestling for WCW at this time. (laughs) I wonder Um, if that, uh, you know, if, because Hulk Hogan famously does not care for Shawn Michaels. I I, I, I love that little rub. Mm. Um, I think at this point, though, Hulk Hogan probably doesn't even know who Shawn Michaels is. Yeah, they, that makes they sense. weren't really that popular at the same time here. Um, I like how Taker sets off his pyro and it scares the shit out of Shawn and he runs out of the ring. Yeah, and um, that's, you know, classic uh, 97 Hell in a Cell, Sean Taker dynamic, too. For sure. And, you know, this is only a couple months later. So, uh, very early on in the match, Sean is going to charge at Undertaker, who's, like, on the ropes. But Taker backdrops him over the top rope, and on the way down, he hits his back on the casket. And that's what, that's what injured his back. It doesn't even really look that bad. It almost looks like he doesn't even hit it, but he just clips it as he's coming down. He hits the edge of it right on the small of his back, and that's what did it. And 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 they they actually you can tell they start stalling a little bit right after that, and the match is not it is slow is slow after that. You know that is insane, and it, because like 
it is crazy the things that will injure you. Um, we, we've seen Mick Foley fall off the top of a cell. We've seen uh, people go through, obviously, like flaming tables and all kinds of stuff. But it's crazy that the hitting your back on a casket, a stupid casket prop, is what gets you. Yeah, well, like, John Cena had to miss, like, a year of action one time because he, like, threw Randy Orton wrong and hurt his arm. And then, but they, like, after the match, they had Randy Orton beat him up and they explained that, like, the Randy Orton beating him up was what did it. But actually, it was just John Cena just, like, awkwardly moved his arm and ripped his, like, muscle. And that's why, you know, people, when you say wrestling's fake, well, of course it is, um, but there are real elements. There are real stakes here for these guys. Um, make no mistake, what you're seeing is is planned, but it is, at times, very dangerous. Yeah, but it does always seem like it's the mundane moves that are that end up injuring people. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's strange, um, the way that that works. But I guess, you know, if you plan a big spot and you plan a big hit, a chair shot or something like that, you, you take extra lengths to make sure that it's going to be safe. And you don't really think that much about falling all out of the ring onto a casket or throwing a guy. Mm-hmm. And then the thing about watching this match, knowing that his back is, like, basically broken, is to see him keep landing on his back throughout the match. And it's like... Yeah, yikes. It's rough to watch, uh, to think that he's, like, just going through all that. And, you know, I thought this was a pretty good match, but to know that he did this whole thing with his back broken, basically, is uh, just, wow. The the sheer endurance of Shawn Michaels. Mm. Yeah, because there's one point where he gets rip- whipped into the ropes. He hits back first, goes flying to the outside. Uh, he uh, jumps off the top rope. But he gets slammed to the mat. Uh, there's one part where uh, Taker puts him in the casket and closes the lid, but Sean keeps his arm out, and then pocket sand. Yeah, you think he had it stashed in the casket? Oh, I'm sure he did. Um, because you know those pants don't look like they got pockets on them, so only one of place sand. got pocket sand to be. It's casket sand. You think you sure it's not butthole sand? It's the ashes of Undertaker's dead parents. <laughs> um, Taker's going to go for a choke slam, but Sean manages to get up on the top rope, hit a moonsault. On the outside, uh, Sean's really using those steel steps. Uh, Taker hits his knees really hard into it. Yeah, he hits him with the steps. And then at one point, he pile drives him headfirst onto the steps. And I know that pile drivers... They've actually been banned because they can really injure people. It's how Austin broke his neck. Uh, and only Undertaker and Kane can do the tombstone. And I know that, like, their head is really not hitting anything. But, like, I still, like, when someone gets pile-drived on steps or on the floor, it still, like, makes me go, Ugh. Yeah, no, and, you know, you think if there's going to be a move in this match that injured somebody, it'd be that one. Yeah. Um... But And that thud, I don't know how they make that thud, if they're kicking it or something like that, but it sounded rough. Like when he, he pile-drived him? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, he, I mean, Sean's butt is still hitting the steps. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
Uh, Triple H starts hitting Taker with a crutch. Sean hits him with a chair. I don't know why he doesn't immediately put him in the casket, but... Yeah, well, I do like this idea. Okay, because, you know, and, and these guys are very good at playing their characters. Taker is still, at this point, very much a zombie man. And so, like, the idea that Taker is more powerful than almost anyone on the roster. So if you're gonna beat Undertaker, you have to basically, just like you would a zombie, just smash him with weapons. <laughs> That's true. Um, the Taker fights out of the casket. Uh, Sean ends up hitting Sweet Chin music, and he rolls him into the casket, and he stands over him, and he does the DX crotch chop. So Taker just grabs him by the fucking nuts and throws <laughs> him in the ring. Okay, I do love the, like visual storytelling here because you know this is a classic big man versus fast boy match and taker is just kind of picking up michaels and tossing him around like he's a a wet piece of paper michaels to get taker into that casket has to literally get on the ground and roll him across the ring um and so i just really love that contrast and it does a really good job of sort of showing the uphill battle for Shawn Michaels. I would really like to learn, like, what is, like, the process of putting together a match. Uh, And I know everybody kind of does it differently, but, like, as far as, like, you know, I want to hear, like, them sit down and, and, you know, say, you know, here's how we're going to put together a match. Of course, I think then that maybe potentially ruins some of the magic of it, but it's just, it's so interesting to me. I know, I I would love to know how one of these things is planned. Which parts do you improv around? Which parts are set in stone? Do you go in knowing are going to be the big spots? Um, I'd love to know that. Yeah, I think they mostly know the big spots and everything else. They kind of just work around. Uh, most most wrestlers do. There are some wrestlers like Randy Savage like to plan out his whole match move by move. Wow. Uh, Could you imagine remembering all of that in yeah, the middle of it? That would be hard, I would think. Um. So I, I and I'm, I just pointed out that Sean is really like just abusing his back here. I feel like the going through the rest of the match had to make it worse. You know, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad if he hadn't immediately just started f- just getting s- thrown on his back over and over again. Yeah, that's a, probably a good point. Um, uh, at one point, Taker gets in the casket and Sean hits a flying elbow drop into the casket, and the ref shuts the lid, and so they're both in there just kind of rumbling around. Uh, um, <laughs> I was, And the only thing I could think of when that happened is, like, seven minutes in heaven. <laughs> but the Undertaker God. casket. <laughs> S- seven minutes in hell. <laughs> uh, I love the visual of Shawn Michaels crawling out of the casket and Taker dragging him back in. Yes, so good like just yeah, a classic almost horror movie iconography there like I, I it's it's very well done and the elbow drop i mean you know you say elbow drop into a casket but an elbow drop into a casket with a broken back like wow yeah i don't know how he's doing it here and the guy still wrestles one more match before he retires good lord uh um so they, they end up coming back out of the casket. Taker hits a big old choke slam in the ring. Um, and then he hits a tombstone pile driver from the apron and into the casket. 
and that's when a bunch of people come down and start attacking Undertaker. Um, I see that you wrote six men are pounding the Undertaker. That also made me laugh. Yes, that was a great line from commentary. <laughs> that's when Kane comes out, clears out the ring. Okay, and here's where I talk. Where okay, when we talk about, um, and I talk about this in the Undertaker Kane episode a lot, so I'll I'll just touch on it here. But sheer, like, if you're if you're rating wrestlers by like tiers or power level, like in lore, how strong are they supposed to be? Kane's ability to just come into a ring, punch six dudes, and immediately clear them all out of a ring implies that Kane is just like is superhumanly powerful. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the mystery, you know. He, it's a family thing. It is, it is. But I do love that playing to character. And then when you put, you know, okay, so like you put Kane against Taker, they're kind of evenly matched power wise. But you put Taker against Michaels, you think about that in in the context of what Kane and him are able to do versus just Michaels being a regular dude. It's Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Okay, who's Batman and who's Superman? Batman would be Shawn Michaels. Superman would be Undertaker. Okay, fair enough. One having superpowers, the other being just a guy. Then who's Kane? Wonder Woman? I'll allow it. All right. Um... Oh, God. Oh, and but of course Kane is going to turn on his brother because of course he is. And uh, he ends up chokeslamming Taker into the casket. Shawn Michaels closes the lid. And then things get a little wild. Yes, they do. But I love every time Kane comes out in an Undertaker match to help him, I'm like, he's going to betray him, isn't he? And then he immediately betrays him. Yeah. Uh, that, that is the thing with, with Kane and Undertaker. And this was very early in there. I mean, this is only two months after Kane debuted. So it was really weird that they like already like were putting... like were, like, teaming them together and then making... Like, Kane has already turned on Undertaker once, and he's only been in the company for two months. Yeah, wow. But, yeah, things get a little nuts as they... uh, Paul Bearer comes out, and they padlock, with, like, three padlocks, the casket. And then they put it up on the entrance ramp, chop holes in it with an axe... And then pour gas on it and light the whole fucking thing on fire. This is the dumbest version of the sawing a lady in half trick that I have ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're they're lighting an Undertaker on fire. The old light an Undertaker on fire trick. And my first thought when I saw the axe was like, okay, wait, why are you trying to break into it with an axe? You just padlocked it. Yeah, it was kind of confusing. Like, what are they doing? But but, uh, but then when the gasoline came out, I was like, oh, that's water. And then they light it on fire, and I was like, oh, that's not water. So we see Undertaker get put in a casket, and that casket get lit on fire for the first of two times in his career. <laughs> because it will happen again. Um, And so, you know, this establishes—I just want to throw this out there because the seeds of this will come back later— this just establishes that putting Undertaker into a casket or burying him or lighting him on fire does absolutely nothing. It has no effect on the man. Other than sometimes it makes him a biker, but usually it has no effect on the man. Usually. Imagine if they had lit 
biker taker on fire, which I guess actually Cain kind of did when he put him in, when he buried him alive and buried it and lit him on fire. There you go. You know, I would like to see Undertaker die and then come back again as just like a like a fucking dweeb or something. <laughs> yeah, like how many incarnations of Undertaker can there be? How many personalities does he have in there? Is this like a Sybil situation? Uh, I was gonna say he's kind of like uh, he, he's kind of like Janet from The Good Place. Absolutely, he keeps getting rebooted. Um, so Shawn Michaels wins, uh, but he's very heavily injured. He's only going to wrestle one more match. It's going to be at WrestleMania uh, 14. Uh, a couple months later, he's going to wrestle Steve Austin, and that uh, uh, and that that's when Steve Austin wins the WWF Championship for the very first time. Kicks off Austin's career. And Undertaker apparently was like really worried that Shawn Michaels was not going to lose to Austin to the point where. He, like, got in his face about it, and he said, if you don't do this, I will hurt you. <laughs> I will break your back again. And he did. Um, so Shawn Michaels is going to retire. Undertaker sticks around and ends up, you know, becoming a legend, uh, especially with his WrestleMania streak. Shawn Michaels eventually comes back in 2002, but he's on Raw. Undertaker is on SmackDown, and the two never cross paths again. Do you think part of that had to do with the very real heat between them? Or just, it kind of worked out that way? Uh, maybe a little bit. And then also, I think, because they were on separate shows. Like, at this time, people were really not crossing over from Raw to SmackDown, like, at all. Mm-hmm. And both of those guys were, uh, really, like, like, Shawn Michaels was a big part of Raw. Undertaker was a big part of SmackDown. Uh, one interesting thing I did forget to mention is both of these guys wrestled on the very first episode of Monday Night Raw, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Wow. Uh, so at this point in the company, they have, like, the longest tenure of anybody. Um, so the next time they end up crossing paths is during the Royal Rumble 2007. Uh, you know, it's not—that's uh, usually when all the Raw and SmackDown guys get to meet for the very first time. And then this kind of planted the seeds of where we're going to go with this rivalry. Um, so they're among the final five guys in the Royal Rumble, um, which also includes MVP, Edge, and Randy Orton. Uh, Taker's going to toss out MVP pretty quickly, uh, but he passes a chair to Randy Orton, who smacks Taker with the, over the head with it. Um, they're basically kind of double-teaming Undertaker the whole time, Edge and Orton. Uh, while Shawn Michaels is kind of out on the outside. Taker gets busted open. Uh, and eventually they're going to try to set him up for a concerto. Edge, uh, Taker's head's on one chair, and Taker or, and Edge has another chair. He's going to sandwich it in between the two chairs. But Shawn gets back in the ring, and he quickly eliminates Edge and Orton. And so we're down to the final two here. And this probably has to be the best finale to a Royal Rumble, like the best final two of all time. Because the thing lasts 10 minutes. Yeah, no, it, it's a match in itself. Uh, I do like, though, how Shawn Michaels just, like, deuces out of the Royal Rumble for, like, five, <laughs> five whole minutes. You know, why has no one done that? Why has no one just gone backstage, hung out for a little while, come back, and then, you know, be in the, the end of the Royal Rumble? Uh, I mean, to be fair, plenty of people have done that. Really? Uh, well, a handful of people. Yeah, usually don't win. 
but like Steve Austin got beat up like on his way down to the Royal Rumble and then ended up not coming in till the very end. Uh, Hornswoggle is technically still in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he may never escape. Yes. Someone please eliminate Hornswoggle <laughs> and put him out of his misery. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this is like, I mean, it's, it's basically a match here between the two of them. And it's, it actually is really a really good match on its own right. Usually the last two guys in the Royal Rumble maybe go about five more minutes. They go a whole ten. Uh, and I think it was because these guys had never faced off in, what is this, like nine years? Yeah, wow. Uh, and also, once again, at the Royal Rumble. Um, and also, apparently, at San, in San Antonio, Shawn Michaels' hometown, which is pretty cool. Yeah, wow. And and that is uh, interesting, too, is that several of these matches uh, have been in San Antonio. The the last one was as well, uh, it, which is interesting because last time he wrestled him was San Antonio, and then the first time he wrestles him again is San Antonio. And honestly, there was another match I was going to add to this, but I ended up changing my mind and taking it out that was also in San Antonio. Nice. But this is, you know, at a point in time, 2007 – um, this is right after Taker's drop the biker gimmick, right? Uh, I wouldn't say right after. He's, he he came back as the dead man in 2004, so he's been dead man oh, okay. for a little while. Okay, because I just noticed they were calling him Vintage Undertaker, which I guess is sort of the post-biker name for Honest, zombie guy. Uh, honestly, Michael Cole just likes to call everything vintage. That's just his thing. He just says, like, anytime someone does something that's, like, classic them, he calls it vintage Ah, gotcha. I don't know why. Um, I, I like how uh, that we start off, they're both down, and Undertaker sits up and Shawn kips up at the same time. Okay, That was okay. pretty cool. I watched Shawn Michaels do this kick up, and it inspired me. I was like, man, how's he do that? I wonder. I'm going to try it. I oh God, not. Did you really try it? I really tried it. I got on the floor and I tried it. I, <laughs> I do not know. Because it's using all of your back muscles to propel yourself onto your feet. I think he uses his hands a little bit, too. I think he puts his hands on the mat and kind of uses his hands to push up, too. In any event, but it's honestly, really hard. <laughs> did you really think you were going to be able to do it? No, I just wanted to see what it felt like to try. I, I feel like I used to try it all the time as a kid, too. <laughs> I, I, I would do I would do like moves to my stuffed animals and shit. <laughs> I was that kind of kid. Um. So uh, they, they're they're each trying to throw each other out. They're getting some pretty close calls here. Um. Is Sean tunes up the band, goes for sweet jam music, but Taker catches his leg and hits a choke slam. Tries for the tombstone, but Sean gets free. Hits the sweet jam music. Sets up for another sweet chip music, but instead Undertaker catches his leg and dumps him right over the top rope, and Undertaker wins his very first Royal Rumble, and he was also the very first person to win from the number 30 spot, from the last spot in the Royal Rumble. Wow. Which um, I, I think was a pretty cool feat. I, I agree. And, you know, I do think uh, here that, again, we have the big man fast boy conundrum of, like, you can, you can beat Taker up, sure. You can get the man on the ground. But can you, you, Shawn Michaels, get this huge man over the top rope? Yeah. Uh, and that provided for a very interesting uphill battle for Shawn that, of course, he, he loses, which is um, interesting. I, I just thought it was a, it was a fun 
and matchup. So they uh, they go their separate ways for a while again. Um, they actually do a pretty cool thing at the next year's Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble 2008. They start the match with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. They come out as number one and number two. Um, neither of them end up winning, uh, but they, they teased it again. I think they were just trying to gauge people's interest in this and and maybe kind of like by prolonging it made people more excited about it. Yeah, no, and I think that what we're about to see is this huge ramp-up to WrestleMania 25, where they really do a lot of building for this match. Um, And I think you're right. I think it's about, you know, let's take these two legends, put them together in the ring, and just kind of see where the crowd takes it. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. and the crowd was certainly loving it, for sure. The crowd is super into this feud. Um, so we're going to go one whole more year later. So now we're in 2009, and uh, Shawn Michaels ends a feud with JBL uh, by beating him for the right to face Undertaker at WrestleMania. I-, I love that we get to a point where Undertaker's WrestleMania streak is such a big deal that they have qualifying matches just to face Undertaker to try to beat his streak. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Undertaker is uh, 15 and zero at this point at WrestleMania, uh, and Shawn Michaels, on the other hand, is like pretty well known for having spectacular WrestleMania matches. Um, on an episode of Raw in March uh, of 2009, Shawn Michaels comes up and talks about uh, Taker's streak, and he, and he sent Undertaker a whole highlight reel of his most memorable WrestleMania moments. <laughs> Um, and there was kind of like a, a whole debate even before this of like who's got the better WrestleMania, um, you know, background. Is it Undertaker with his huge streak or is it Shawn Michaels with his really great matches? Because yeah. the thing is, Undertaker's won a lot of matches, but a lot of those matches like really sucked. You know, I, I was about to pose the question to you. Who, which would you rather be? Would you rather be the guy that wins all the time in WrestleMania or the guy that is known for putting on a great show? Probably the guy who's known for putting on a great show because like most of Shawn Michaels' matches are better than Undertaker's. It's not until like Undertaker's later career that he starts having really good WrestleMania matches. Uh, and I think because it started evolving into being a big deal, because you know when he first started, it's just like you know it's just Undertaker wrestling you know whoever the fuck at WrestleMania. Um, so uh, the lights go out and Undertaker shows up behind Shawn Michaels. Uh, and uh, uh, I think this is the point where he's like, Hello, Undertaker. I've been expecting you. <laughs> um, and uh, Taker is on the mic talking about, you know, Sean's arrogance has clouded his judgment. He says he respects him, but he's respected a lot of people that he's beaten. Okay. And this is where our Taker is very different than his cell and his you know him his persona 10 years ago he talks a lot and yeah. i don't i mean it's all right it's fine but i don't love it it's there's something about undertaker just staring at you that is to me more intimidating than like he's saying some pretty metal shit but it's he comes across not, as too much of like a normal dude yeah yeah, he comes off as the sort of monologuing villain, the long-winded monologue, and it just it's not as good as just the the silent stare down. 
Yeah. And that's the thing. Shawn Michaels is a big talker, so I think it's, you know, trying to trying to balance that. So yeah. it, it does feel a little weird. Um, you know, and, and Shawn's going to run down all of his highlights at WrestleMania, like the ladder match, the Iron Man match, retiring Ric Flair. But Taker's like, yeah, but you've also lost a lot. Um, uh, Taker says, you know, Sean, you're too concerned about winning, but you should be concerned about what I'm going to do to you physically and to your soul. Um, and then he, uh, Shawn Michaels reminds Taker that he's never beaten him, which we did mention, you know, there is kind of an asterisk by that in that, you know, two of those, or actually both of those victories, because the other one was a draw, both of those victories came because of Kane. Yeah, never beaten him in a one-on-one match, and, like, yeah, Kane has always been involved. Yeah. Because um, he also did beat him at the Royal Rumble, so... Yeah, exactly. That's um, that's what I was thinking. And that's what, you know, the way that you, you have these matches set up is that this immediately follows that. And I was like, wait, but he did beat you. Like, oh, okay, one-on-ones. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. So uh, we're going to go the next week on Raw. Shawn Michaels is really leaning into the mind games, almost, you know, like... More than more than Undertaker, I do uh, like though at the end of that that little speech promo there where he says you're gonna rest in and Shawn Michaels cuts him off and says I will rest comfortably that night knowing that I put your WrestleMania streak to rest. Uh, I love the interrupting each other and the snark involved in in both of these guys taking on the other one. Yeah. I mean, they're really, they're really, it's it's a great feud buildup for sure. Um, which is like, I mean, this is almost a match where you don't even really need feud buildup. Uh, like, you can just have the two guys wrestle each other. But, you know, to to include that is, you know, really awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, and they, they, they really pressure cook this feud. They really build the heat on this feud. Yeah, and that's the thing. They don't have them wrestle each other, not even in, like, tag team matches, so you're really, like, highly anticipating it. Yes, yes. Uh, um, Sean is out in this graveyard, uh, and he's, like, running down all of his WrestleMania uh, victories while he's dressed up like Brad Paisley. <laughs> um. I do like how every time we talk about Undertaker's WrestleMania streak, we have to, like, list off everyone he's beaten. Uh, (laughs) um, And, you know, we have to kind of dance around the fact that a lot of them were, like, nobodies. Like, Giant Gonzalez and A-Train. Oh, man. Uh, And and, and we don't mention that Undertaker's third WrestleMania victory against Giant Gonzalez. Undertaker won by disqualification after Giant Gonzalez used a chloroform-soaked rag. Yeah, those aren't allowed. But it's just really weird that one of Undertaker's WrestleMania wins comes from a DQ because of a chloroform rag. You know what I love, though, is, like, all of the things that happen in wrestler backstories like that. Like, okay. All these wins that Undertaker's getting at WrestleMania early in his career. No one is thinking, you know, we're building a streak for Undertaker. They're thinking, we're throwing Undertaker just against some guy. Just to, yeah. just to have a match. So I love the way that those coincidences build into a distinguishing part of a career. Yeah. And that's the thing, is it's like, I, I, 
I'm not sure when they start acknowledging the streak. I know that when Randy Orton took on Undertaker at WrestleMania 21, that was the first time somebody wrestled Undertaker for the specific reason of ending the streak. I do know that they started mentioning it at WrestleManias, but I am curious, you know, like, when did it become apparent, like, oh, shit, Undertaker hasn't lost yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my biggest regret about Undertaker's streak is, one, who he ended up... Who ended up ending the streak. Um, And, two, that he kept wrestling after it. I felt like once the streak was broken, he should have retired. Yeah, that should have been his, his final match. Like, the fact that he's, like, wrestled at a bunch more WrestleManias after that is uh, so weird to me. Um, but, nevertheless, uh, Shawn Michaels says a new grave has been dug, but it's not his. It's Taker's. He's a, uh, there's a tombstone that says 16-1. and well, I guess he's 16-0 and now. And uh, Shawn Michaels kicks it, and he says, undefeated streak, rest in peace. I love the idea that putting Undertaker into a grave is going to work like it's ever worked before. Like, Sean, you got to think of a better apparatus. This man lives in graves. Yeah, that is weird. You know, like, people are always trying to bury the Undertaker alive. They're like, I'm going to end Undertaker's career forever. And it's like, I mean, are you? Like, he always comes back stronger. Yeah, you're picking, like, the one thing that you know. Undertaker is is immune to graves. He is not weak to graves. You've got to pick something else. It's like, it's like, please don't throw me into that briar patch. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like you're, it's, okay. It's like you're battling Pokemon, and you've got uh, a fire type, and you're, you're like, oh, I'm going to take out this Squirtle with my Charmander. No, you're not. You're, you're just not. He's not weak to that. It's like his Lazarus pit. <laughs> um, so we're going to go to SmackDown now, and Shawn Michaels is going to do a little tribute to The Undertaker where a bunch of druids in white robes come to the ring chanting. Shawn Michaels comes out as, like, White Undertaker, basically. Yes, as very Christian White Undertaker. Uh, and not like White Shrek. Or no, white no, not like White Shrek or White Yoda. Just dressed in white instead of black. Uh, and the music sounds like it's from the Darth Maul fight in the Phantom Menace to me. Yeah, it does. And then he gets in the ring, and he, and he, and he starts reciting Genesis for some reason. Uh, like you said, very, a lot of Christian under, undertones, or overtones, or just tones. <laughs> the undertoner. Ooh, I like it. Um... He starts talking about the differences and similarities between himself and The Undertaker, and he said, we've both been praised and criticized. I mean, isn't that true of every person? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say that's a fair statement. Uh, He says Taker is pure evil, but he doesn't fear evil, and he does more Bible stuff. (laughs) And then he just breaks out into Sexy Boy, and he starts dancing around. Okay, now, I've never noticed before, before watching this, actually, because we had to listen to Sexy Boy several times <laughs> during this uh, episode, or during the viewing. I never noticed the moans at the beginning, and I hate them. They're oh, very disturbing. Oh! Oh! Yes. I can't stand it. Um, Taker is going to come out from under the ring and attack Shawn Michaels, try to hit a choke slam, but Shawn gets out of the ring and runs away. 
Now, this is uh. like a fun, you know, thing of of him imitating the Undertaker. But what if the Undertaker imitated Shawn Michaels and just came now, out that sexy boy? Would have been great. I know. Missed opportunities. I'm just a sexy ghost. Sexy ghost. <laughs> um. So uh, then, on Raw the next the next week, uh, they have a little funeral set up, and Shawn Michaels hits. He's dressed like Tim McGraw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got pictures of his wins over Undertaker. Uh, he says, at "This Sunday at WrestleMania, Taker's streak will cease to exist." There's one thing Undertaker's never been to, able to accomplish: beat him. Uh, he's uh, he's about to. Uh, he opens the casket very dramatically, and it's empty. He says the only thing everyone's going to be talking about after WrestleMania is when Shawn Michaels pins the Undertaker. The lights go out, and they come back on. Taker's in the ring alone, and Shawn is gone. And he starts destroying the funeral set, and that's he opens up the casket expecting to find Sean, but Sean is actually under the casket, and he super kicks Taker. Now, I really want to think about what this was like, them scrambling around the ring, and, Sean, and like Undertaker getting in the ring, and Sean getting under the casket. Here's the thing, the too. This instilled a very real fear in me that at any time... Shawn Michaels could come out from my closet or under my bed and sweet chin music me. <laughs> just, you know, at any given moment. He could be hiding anywhere. See, I thought you were going to say it instilled a feel- fear in you that the next time you go to a funeral, Shawn Michaels is going to crawl out from under the casket. He absolutely could, and he could just sweet chin music whoever's officiating. You know, one time Shawn Michaels went to a Spurs game and super kicked the opposing mascot in the middle of the court. That is amazing. Um, all right, so now here we are. It's the big event, WrestleMania 25. And before we get into the match, can I just point out a big pet peeve of mine with WrestleMania 25? Sure. They keep calling it the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, which is not true. It's actually the 24th anniversary of WrestleMania. To be the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, there would have had to have been a WrestleMania zero. Zero, right, right. That makes sense. And it is it just bugs the hell out of me how nobody how nobody caught on to that. Also, it, it bothers me that like okay, we're, even even assuming that you're right, it is the 25th anniversary. Like it's yeah, they're numbered by year. We know. Yeah. I, I guess they just wanted to tout that it you know it's a big number, but I feel like you could still do that by it, it, the fact that it's WrestleMania 25. Now I do think it is absolutely wild that they mention you know at this point, Undertaker streak is uh, 16-0. This is his 17th WrestleMania match. Of 25 WrestleManias, he's been in 17 of them. That's crazy. Yeah, and at this point he's been I think his his overall. Uh, Record is now twenty four and two. So Undertaker has been in twenty six of. There are we're about to be at WrestleMania thirty six. So he's been in twenty six out of thirty five WrestleManias now. Good lord! Uh, after he debuted, he was in just about every one. I think he might have missed one or two, um, in between his debut and through the rest of his career. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty awesome, and and. 
here's the thing about this match, and a lot of people will talk about it. The big mistake with this match was not putting it on last. And I know, and, and they correct that mistake the next year. But this is... Uh, yeah, this, this should be the main event. There are like two more matches after this, and uh, Triple H even talks about this. Is like, they could not be followed. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Um, uh, and, okay... Yeah, I, I agree. Like, this definitely should have been the main event, especially the way that they hyped it and they, they built it. I don't I, know why that booking decision was made. I think maybe it exceeded people's expectations. They didn't think it—I mean, I think people thought it was going to be good, but they didn't think, you know, it would be this good. And, yeah, I think these are the two most tenured guys in the company at this point. So, you know, like, they're not the young guys. They're not the guys you want to, you know— build the company off of so it's impressive that they're able to steal the show so absolutely yeah and this is the difference between like okay if Shawn michaels and undertaker wrestle now it's a bad match <laughs> like, like they did two years ago in a tag team match yeah um because it, it's the difference between veteran wrestler and old man <laughs> yeah yeah it's they definitely you know both of them kind of like got both of them really did get better with age uh you know and to a certain point you know and then they because you know we watched that match with undertaker and goldberg that was like ugh. yeah it is uh, certainly a bell curve but that's because this this uh show is over 10 years uh, happened over 10 years ago <laughs> yeah yeah um so uh let's get into it uh i love the entrances here sean descends from a platform uh, wearing all white uh, and Undertaker ascends from the stage wearing all black. Uh, Very interesting sort of dynamic there with the whole heaven-hell thing. Very cool yeah. motifs. Um, I, uh, I like the way we start out with uh, Taker trying to brawl with Sean and Sean trying to avoid him. It's also really crazy that this is the first one-on-one -on -one match they've had in over 10 years. Yeah. Now, I do think, okay, I, I want your opinion on this. It seems like Shawn Michaels almost oversells in this match. I think he he oversells in just about every match. I think that's just how he is. But I think it just works really well with Taker because, like I, you know, like I talked about earlier, Taker's supposed to be this ultra powerful dude. So when you oversell against Taker, just like how Taker undersells all the time, and that's just like yeah. his thing, though. So mixing those two together, I just think was a really good piece of storytelling. Mm hmm. Yeah. No. I I, I was it, it, sometimes that really can work. Um. I uh, the the crowd is back and forth between the two. Obviously, yeah, the crowd is really excited about this match. Uh, really helps make the match. Of course, they you know talk about Sean's back injury. Um, meanwhile, Sean is going to start focusing on Undertaker's knee. Uh, uh, Taker is going to uh, bounce back with a snake eyes, big boot, and a leg drop for a two count. Uh, he's going to go for the choke slam, but Sean is able to reverse it into a crossface. Um, and, you know, Sean, again, is in that weird part of his career where he starts breaking out all these weird submissions, but I think it actually works here. It absolutely does. And, you know, normally I am not a big fan of submission wrestling, but here I really like them because, okay, here's why I don't normally like submissions. 
they slow down a match to me. You put a guy in a submission in the middle of the ring, and you sit there for a minute, and he's supposed to be in all this pain, but I don't really feel that because yeah. it seems like you're you're stalling. But here, the submissions go quick, and they look intense. So the fast nature of them and the, the like, basically one guy gets put into a submission and the other guy is like, I need to get out of this immediately. Well, and so and the, it feels like a more powerful move. And then here it tells a good story of Sean's like, you know, I don't think I can overpower Undertaker, but I can, I can put him in so much pain that I can wear him down. Right. Um, I love this little kind of chain here where Sean... Uh, jumps off the t- turnbuckle, gets caught by the throat for a choke slam. Undertaker lifts him up. Sean drops down, tries for a super kick. Taker drops down to the mat. Sean tries to put him in a figure four, but Taker puts him in the Hell's Gate. Yeah, I, I, I love thought- the the. Okay, it's not just one guy lands a move, the other guy lands a move. It is a constant reversal back and forth. That mm-hmm. is cool, and that one obviously is going to take some pre planning to do. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it was yeah. They kept giving Undertaker has probably more finishers than any other wrestler ever because uh, they gave him this submission move. I think uh, the previous year uh, he beat Edge with it, uh, and they started kind of hyping it up. Uh, he like tapped into his love of mixed martial arts, his real life love of mixed martial arts, and he adopted this submission move that's kind of like a triangle choke kind of thing. Um, that's 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 a pretty cool move. It's different for Undertaker. Uh, I, yeah. I loved how Undertaker adapted his style throughout the years. Absolutely, and that's something that you see with um, you know, to I think a lesser extent with Undertaker, but with guys like even uh, Mick Foley. You know, he talked about. I listened to an interview with him, and he was talking about how the way you stay relevant in wrestling is that you have to keep adapting. You have to keep changing. Um, and I think that we definitely see that with Undertaker. And then, you know, by the time he's at this point in his career, he has a whole arsenal of things that he can bring out and people are going to go nuts for. Yeah. Um, Sean gets his foot on the rope. They both end up going to the outside. Uh, Taker's going to try for a leg drop on the ring apron, but Sean rolls out of the way and Taker hits the apron pretty hard. Sean is going to try for a moonsault from the top rope to the outside, but Taker just kind of swats him out of the way, and he hits hard, like, with a yeah. thud. And, damn, man, like, I know the floor's padded, but Jesus. Um, here comes probably the biggest move of the match, and there's a little bit of a story behind it, too. So uh, I'm always impressed when Taker does this dive over the top ropes into the outside. But this one is something crazy. Uh, So he's going to dive over the top rope onto Sean. Sean pulls a cameraman in the way, and Taker lands on him, but he lands, like, right on his head. Yeah. Like, he was damn near, like, he was about to be, like, living his gimmick, the dead man. And you hear just a a nasty crunch when he does. And there's there's, like, a dent in the floor, too. Yeah. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about this, because uh, this obviously was not supposed to happen quite like this. Um, so the guy that is playing the cameraman here, and it's supposed to be kind of a nod to both their Hell in a Cell match. I remember when Sean beats up the cameraman. And right. So that's kind of supposed to be a nod to that. It's also supposed to be a nod to Undertaker's first WrestleMania opponent, Jimmy Snuka. The guy playing the cameraman is Jimmy Snuka's son, Sim Snuka. 
Oh, that's fun. Um, Sim Snuka was fired quite soon after this. Um, and was it because of this? I don't know. Um, but I a lot of people suspect that it was. Uh, so he was supposed to be there to catch him. I don't know that it's so much his fault, though, because to me it looks like The Undertaker kind of over-rotated on that dive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, it was Sean pulling him in the way, so if he didn't catch him right, it's kind of on Sean. Yeah, no, that is one of those things that you were just, there was a man barreling at you. I'm not really sure what you could have done differently. Um, yeah. But whatever the case, he takes a nasty fall. Um, apparently in the in the back, they were like, they're like, yeah, we almost had a death here, guys. Um, Yikes. And here's the other thing about this match. This match went on way longer than it was supposed to. Apparently, it was like they were like 10 minutes into the match. They were already 10 minutes too long. Um, and normally, that would be the time where Vince McMahon would tell the ref to, to communicate with the wrestlers, hey, let's wrap it up. But he said, no, just let them go as long as they want because it was so good. Amazing. Um, and that kind of caused some problems for the next match, which was supposed to be a Divas Battle Royal, and it caused all the Divas to have to enter the ring at the same time and not get individual entrances and walk to the ring during a Kid Rock concert. That is a shame. That is a shame. Um, maybe we could have just cut the Kid Rock concert. Yeah, well, okay, hey, Kid Rock shows up. Kid Rock's like Limp Biscuit. If he shows up, he's got to play. For sure. Um, or else he will haunt you. <laughs> um, so it almost feels like they're stalling a little bit to give Taker some time to recover. Um, eventually, the ref starts counting him out, and he barely makes it back in the ring at a nine count. Yeah, uh, they yeah. really hyped up the suspense. This is a match where, like, even though I know exactly how it ends, I still, for some reason, like, like the suspense still works for me. I've seen it, like, four times, and yet I'm still like, whoa, wait, is it going to end now? I know it doesn't end now, but is it going to end now? Yeah, they did a really just fantastic job with that in this match. It, it, it's so, and the pace and just everything about it lends to this anxious feeling. And I, I think... Lately, you know, more matches have kind of messed up on that whole, like, you know, close call kick out. I think it's overdone now. But I yeah. think in this match it was perfect, and I think they saw this match and were like, okay, let's start doing this all the time. But That's it, the thing it gets with overdone. really special matches. Just like both Hell in a Cell, both the, you know, the first two Hell in a Cells, in my opinion, um, and, and this is that you can't look at something, like, something like this works really well. Because it's not what you see every day. Yeah. It's, it, you can't make everything like this. This is special. Let it be special. For sure. Um, in the ring, Taker, or Sean's going to go for Sweet Chin Music, but gets caught with a choke slam. He manages to kick out at two. Uh, he reverses out of a tombstone and hits the Sweet Chin Music, uh, or tries to go for it, but Taker catches him with another choke slam. But HBK breaks out of that, and he hits a super kick from out of nowhere, gets another two count. Uh, Sean kips up, starts going to pick up Taker, 
but Taker grabs him, lifts him up for the last ride, but Sean is able to roll through and roll him up for a pin. But Taker picks him back up and hits a last ride again for a two count, loving the chain reversals here. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, Taker goes up to the top rope, which is rare for him, Hits a, attempts a diving elbow drop, but HBK rolls out of the way. Sean charges at him, gets tossed over the top rope. He tries to flip back in, but Taker grabs him, lifts him up for a tombstone, and hits it. Sean kicks out, and Taker's face explains it all. Like, he is completely dumbfounded. Yeah, it's the, what do I got to do to this guy? JR says, I just had an out-of-body experience. (laughs) Uh, Uh, And, you know, normally I am not one uh, uh, for long matches. I don't typically care for them because I get bored. I did not get bored in this match. This match is good start to finish. For sure. Uh, Yeah, this is the best example of a long-running match that doesn't lose your interest. And it's because the match itself keeps evolving. We move to different phases of it. We start with the very energetic Shawn Michaels ducking blows. We move into this very tense reversal battle, and then in the last phase of the match, we get this basically slugfest. This match is half an hour, and I've seen matches that are half as long that feel twice as long. Absolutely. Um, uh, Taker pulls his straps down. He signals for another tombstone, and Sean counters the tombstone into a DDT. You know it gets intense when Taker takes his titties out. Yeah. Tits out for the Taker. <laughs> um, Sean hits the diving elbow drop, hits the sweet chin music again, and yet another kick out. The crowd is chanting, this is awesome. I love when they're trading blows and barely able to stand. Uh, and here's where we get our finish. Sean goes to the top rope, attempts a moonsault, but Taker catches him in midair with a tombstone pile driver and gets the pinfall to end one of the most amazing matches of all time. There are a lot of people out there who say this is the best wrestling match of all time. And I wouldn't say those people are wrong. This was fantastic from start to finish. This is definitely one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life and one of the best ones we've ever covered on this show. Shawn Michaels talked about this match, and he said, every match in my career, I can go back and think, okay, there's one thing I would have changed, there's one thing I would have done differently. He says, this match is the exception. There's nothing about this match he would have done differently. So, you know, we talked about Taker's sort of distrust of Shawn and the the very real heat between the two. Um has Taker sort of come around to him at this point with Sean and his whole new Christian so. identity thing? I think so. You know, Sean has, you know, he changed his life, turned his life around. He's made him in. So I think, yeah, I think that they have, they've become friends. Because the in-ring again. chemistry here does seem to be very good. Yeah. Of course, you know, a lot of times that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Sean and Brett hated each other and had fantastic matches. Oh, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think I think so. I think a uh, you know a lot of people. If if Bret Hart can forgive Shawn Michaels, then I think anyone can. Absolutely, which is very sweet. Um, so fast forward to uh, two thousand later that year. This is December of two thousand nine on Raw. They have the Slammy Awards, which is apparent, which is like their their you know big award show like the oscars or whatever it's like the grammys but instead it's slammies get it yeah they did this for a while in the 80s and 90s and then like randomly brought it back in the late 2000s and um 
Triple H comes out to announce the winner. He looks like a damn goof in his DX gear. <laughs> when they rebranded DX, it was weird because when they were like in their 20s being like, oh, yeah, we're guys who like to say dick and like show our butts and talk about wieners. It was funny, but when you got like 40-year-old men doing it, it's sad. Yeah, I mean, that accurate analysis. I mean, I like to see Shawn Michaels back in the HBK, uh, back in the uh, DX gear, just because of like, oh, you know, it's a cool little nostalgia thing, but you're right, it doesn't work as a gimmick. I didn't realize they were trying to do it that way. I thought it was just a nod. No, 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 they like had a full-ass reunion, won the tag team titles, they like dumped a bunch of poop on Vince McMahon. Amazing. Uh, so, uh, and they hung out with Hornswoggle. (laughs) They put Vince McMahon's face into Big Show's butt. Just classic goofs. Um, they list off the nominees, and I've never seen any of the other nominees, but I, and I think that goes to show, like, how, like, this was not even a fair competition. Yeah. Um, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker wins the match of the year for 2009. Shawn comes out to accept the award. Triple H says, if you haven't seen this match, you need to. I would know because I had to follow it and I didn't stand a chance. Um, and Shawn Michaels says he's proud of what he and Taker accomplished that night. And he's about to just walk off, but he comes back and he says, Undertaker, I can beat you. I know it. And more importantly, you know it. So he challenges him to face him again at WrestleMania 26. And, you know, like you said, it's hard to strike, you know, to strike gold twice. Um, so to, you know, there's a lot of pressure to, to redo this match. And they try to, you know, give it some extra stakes by having it be a career-threatening match. Um, but, and there are some people out there who say that the second match was better. I am not with you, and I'll kind of maybe go into my reasons why. Um Certainly not a bad match, but I think that WrestleMania 25 is just, it's hard to compete with. It's fine, and I just, I mean, it's a fine match. It's fine. It's good. But it's not, I I just feel like they always do this. Every every single good storyline, good set of matches, it always goes one longer than it should. Yeah. Uh, they beat that horse dead. And... I uh, I think maybe this match, I would have liked it more had I not seen the other match. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think that's part of the problem is it's like, I know what these two guys can do, and this was just not quite that. Um, but, hey, sequels are rarely as good as the original. The um, only exception to that is Hell in a Cell 2, and that's, that's different wrestler, or a different wrestler, you know? Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's... I mean... I think uh, probably Austin and Rock uh, did better their second time around. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. But and it, it hurts the tension of like, okay, I'm going to break your WrestleMania streak. I'm going to do it. You're, you're 15 or an O or 16 O, and there's this big like, oh, maybe you can do it. And then you see him have a heartbreaking defeat. And then for him to be like, Okay, I get to try again, though. Like, I don't know. It feels it feels like the stakes aren't as high, even though they're they're really trying to build them. Even, even when his career is on the line? 
Yeah, it's just something about... It's the idea that it makes the last match mean less if Shawn Michaels gets just a retry, a redo. Yeah. Um... So it, the build-up into this match is pretty good. Sean is like wants to face Undertaker, but Undertaker's not going to give him the match. He eventually forces him to give him the match by costing him the World Heavyweight Championship, and so he says, okay, but on one condition, your career is on the line. Um, he does the rise from beneath the stage once again. I do like how they start with Sean doing the cutthroat taunt at him. Yes, very good. And I do like the way we start with, like, they start right out of the gate going at it real stiff. Mm. Um, uh, it's it's really fast paced right off the bat, so they are trying to do something different here. I, I will say, you know, it doesn't feel repetitive. They are trying to do new stuff here. They are. I will say the pace of this match is slower. It doesn't have the same it intensity. Is, it is a little bit slower, and I also feel like it was a little bit clunky, like a little bit rough around the edges. There were a few times where moves I were I was like, they I don't know that they quite accomplished what they wanted to do here. Right. Um, uh, this is a no disqualification match. Uh, I don't know how much that really comes into play, uh, other than, you know, they don't get counted out or anything. Um, Sean's going to go for a super kick pretty early, but Taker backs out of the way and then clothesline Sean over the top rope. He looks like he's going for that suicide dive, but Sean slides back in and tackles his knee. Um, Sean's going to try to focus on the knee again. Uh, attempt to figure four, but he gets kicked out of the ring, rammed back first into the turnbuckle post. Um, I do like uh, the way that Undertaker sells this figure four later, um, selling it really well uh, before eventually reversing the pressure and forcing Sean to break the hold. Yeah, uh, it, it is sold decently. Uh Sean is going to hit the flying forearm, kip up, and then walk right into a choke slam for a two count from Undertaker. Uh, uh, Taker's going to pick him up for a tombstone, but Sean rolls through into an ankle lock. So he's channeling Kurt Angle here. Yeah. Um, interesting, interesting choice of move for Sean. But, you know, like we said, Taker evolved and picked up new moves. Sean sort of uh, picks up, you know, more submissions later on. Yeah, he's basically, he's just like, you know, Chris Benoit's not here, I'm going to do his move. Kurt Angle's not here, I'm going to do his move. Ric Flair's not here, I'm going to do his move. <laughs> uh, I I do like uh, this moment when Sean tries for a springboard plancha on the outside, but Taker catches him and hits a tombstone on the goddamn floor. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sean, he, he manages to get Sean back in the ring and he kicks out. I almost felt like it was a bit ridiculous for Sean to kick out of that. I know even though there was a little bit of time between when he hit the move and when he rolled him into the ring, but like, Jesus Christ, you just drop someone on their head onto the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is one of those that you kickouts have to be done in such a, a unique fashion. There has to usually be a reason why the wrestler can kick out. And you're right. I don't think that a good enough one is given there. I feel like there were too many finishers in this match, and I actually counted it. And to be fair, Undertaker has four finishers. But altogether, they each hit 12 finishers in this match. Yeah, that's excessive. And that's the thing with or this. They is don't that... each hit 12. Combined, they hit yeah. 12. But it's, it's this match is excess. Yeah. A few too many kickouts. I just didn't feel it the way I felt the other one. 
Right. Um, uh, Taker attempts last ride, but his leg buckles, and or Sean reverses into a face buster. It's not really clear. Gets the two count. That's one of the moves I was kind of talking about that was like a little bit rough around the edges. Um, Taker's able to get his knees up and block an elbow drop, and then he locks in the Hell's Gate, but Sean flips over into a roll-up and pins him for a two count. They both get up. Sean hits a super kick out of nowhere for a near fall. Um, Sean tries for another super kick, but Taker hits the last ride. Uh, another near fall. They go to the outside. Starts taking apart the announce table. Taker's going to try for a last ride on the table, but Sean drops down behind him, super kicks him onto the table. He climbs up and hits a moonsault onto Taker through the table. He kind of flails around. Uh, yeah. That was a pretty cool move. It was, it was a cool move. It was just weird that he, like, gets up from hitting the move, flails, and then falls back down. Yeah, it was like a Hulk Hogan SummerSlam 2005 kind of reaction. It absolutely was. Uh, I did like that he kind of did the uh, the moonsault onto Taker's knees. I don't know if that was intentional or not, because they're doing the whole, like... Yeah, the leg thing. I thought that was kind of different. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the crowd's chanting, this is awesome. Uh, we go back in the ring. Sean hits another Sweet Chin Music. I- again, we've hit Sweet Chin Music way too many times in this match. And Taker kicks out. He's kicked out of the super kick like three times already. Um, uh, he goes for it again, but Taker has a huge choke slam. Then the tombstone pins him. Sean kicks out. Um, I do like this ending here, though, uh, where uh, Taker is going to do his like little cutthroat taunt, but he stops, and he looks at Sean, and he's like, stay down. And yeah, Sean... because Sean is like wobbly and like can't stand up, and he's like trying to climb Taker, basically. <laughs> I do like that ending, and then Sean gets up, and he does the cutthroat gesture, and he slaps him, so it's like this whole, like, Shawn Michaels defiant to the very end. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And then Taker just grabs him and hits a jumping tombstone and pins him for the three count, and they say Shawn Michaels' career is over, big 18-0 appears on the stage. Taker pulls him to his feet, they shake hands and hug. Uh, and the crowd chants, thank you, Sean, as he leaves. Uh, you know, I thought it was a good send-off to Shawn Michaels here. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, we're, we're about to go into Shawn Michaels' farewell address after this match. Um, and I agree, this match was a good, it was a good send-off to Shawn, and it was really an ode to Shawn in a lot of ways. It was yeah. less about Shawn and Taker and more about Shawn specifically. Um, but is this really, I mean, is this his big retirement? Yeah, pretty much. He uh, he doesn't. He's only wrestled one other match since, and it was two years ago in 2018. He wrestled a tag team match with Triple H against Undertaker and Kane at Crown Jewel. Uh, so yeah, he he's pretty much retired. Uh, oh wow. Okay. So this is this is it for him then. That's yeah. This is truly truly it. Um, you know, he'd been with the company for a, a long time. Uh, you know, he's had a lot of injuries, so I think it was his time to go. Uh, and I thought it was a good way to go out, too. You know, he didn't do, like, Ric Flair and go to TNA and wrestle, so. Yeah. Um, so the next night on Raw, he's going to do his farewell address. Uh, Undertaker comes out and tips his hat before leaving, which is really cool. Um, uh, he, uh, you know, talks about Triple H being his friend even when he was a shitty person. He's crying. Uh, 
Even thanks Bret Hart uh, for forgiving him and giving him the opportunity to be friends again. Is uh, this at, the... at a point when Bret Hart is good with the company? I don't think he's really good with the co- So it's kind of weird. So he's okay with the company. He uh, was inducted into the Hall of Fame. He hasn't really appeared on TV uh, at all. Uh, they've done some DVDs. They've done some work with him. So I think he's kind of gotten over it and buried the hatchet with it. Um, but he's not back in the company like he did that weird run where he was an old man, like wrestling in jorts. Gotcha. It's not quite that point yet. Uh, Bret Hart was very, it had a lot of praise for the Undertaker and Shawn match, uh, the one at WrestleMania 25, I know. Because, um, you know, two guys he wrestled a lot, too. Um, and then uh, and then Triple H meets Sean at the entrance ramp and they hug and stuff and so it's a it's a pretty emotional moment. Uh, he's, he's since been inducted into the Hall of Fame and then Undertaker is after this you know kind of goes part time for a while and he's still sort of part time. Would you say uh, that this is Taker's last like really solid run? Probably, because after this, he uh, wins the world title and he launches that feud with Kane, uh, which the feud with Kane is his last run as like a, on the like main roster, and after that, he just kind of starts appearing at WrestleMania and Royal Rumble and like the, the big events. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you're probably exactly right. This is his last, this is his no match, and I mean, no match probably ever could have topped the WrestleMania 25 match, but no match really ever came close to that for Undertaker after this, I don't think. I think it's interesting that, I mean, Shawn Michaels retired Ric Flair, what, like two years before this? Yeah, exactly two years before. And so, yeah, to, to have then Taker retire Michaels was a, an interesting move. Um and, I mean, if you got to have somebody to go take Shawn Michaels out, it should be Taker. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's a lot of history with them. Um, you know, they're two guys who have came into the company around the same time, um, kind of built the company in a lot of ways. And, you know, uh, what better way to do it than the guy who has the best WrestleMania streak versus the guy who probably has the best WrestleMania matches. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it's pretty clear we both thought the 25 match was better. Um, I mean, what do you think? Best match you've ever seen? It comes close. It comes really close. I think it might be. Certainly the best as far as, like, regular sort of rules, just up and down wrestling, best match I've ever seen. Yeah, and it, yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't have anything special attached to it, no special rules, and, you know, it, it didn't really have to. It's it's one of those, you know, one-of-a-kind things. And it, it's, I mean, there's nothing bad about it. Like, there's there's not a single thing about that match that's bad. The worst thing about that match actually ended up being the coolest thing about that match when Undertaker lands on his head. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh Really, really impressive stuff. I really urge anyone um, to check out this match, even if you're a really casual fan, because I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's a handful of matches that, like, create a, if you just want a baseline of wrestling knowledge, um, I think there's there's a certain number of matches you just absolutely have to watch, and this is a must-watch match. For sure. 
Um, well, that's going to about do it for us here. Uh, we want to once again encourage you to watch along with us. Uh, next week or next episode, we're going to be talking about the Elimination Chamber. We haven't done a match-based episode in a while, so I'm, I decided to pick one. Probably the most recent new match type to be invented that was actually pretty good. Uh, cool. We're, we're going to be t- looking through some of the best Elimination Chamber matches. Uh, so that should be pretty fun. Uh, and we want to remind you to wa- uh, watch along with us, listen to us. You can subscribe to us on wherever you listen to your podcast uh, and rate and review us. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at Turnbuckle Train. Let us know if there's anything you'd like for us to cover up here on Turnbuckle Training. Thanks for listening.